As a mother of two sons, the conversation you're about to listen to is extremely personal for me. If you have or work with boys, I hope you'll find it valuable too. And I'd also like to encourage you to read the book upon which we'll be basing our discussion. The title of the book is Oh Boy, and it was written by my guest, Frances Wardle, formerly a Head Start director, Head Start education manager, an elementary school teacher, and administrator of a national child care company, as well as a dedicated family man with four kids and four grandkids of his own. Francis wrote the book because he saw a huge gap of appreciation and respect for the differences between boys and girls' early developmental needs. Francis and I are planning to share more conversations on this podcast, so please accept this very sincere invitation to submit any questions you'd like uh, Francis to address, and including any specific challenges. Francis would love to hear from you. So would I, but you already knew that. Feel free to send your questions or comments to ask at kidsownwisdom.com, or even better, just go to the face go to Facebook and like the page for this The Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast, and uh, we can see your questions there. Okay. Today, we have someone who has written a book that is so dear to my heart. This is, uh, my guest today is Francis Wardle, and he has written a book entitled, Oh Boy. And it's all about strategies to help young boys in early childhood achieve their potential as human beings and as boys and as young men. And thank you, Francis, so much for joining me. You're very welcome. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, You, in your book, identified certain behaviors as being typical of young boys, behaviors that anyone who spent time around very young children would agree are definitely typical of young boys. Not all young boys, of course, and maybe even some girls are like this. I wouldn't even be surprised if I was kind of like this because I'm kind of a tomboy. But the, the, the behaviors and the Instincts are like delayed verbal skills, lack of attention, risk-taking. They're more physical than uh, mental. They might have not the best emotional regulation. They're all about messy explorations. Um, Why are those behaviors typical of young boys, do you think? Well, I think I have two answers. The obvious answer is they simply are. If you (laughs) observe young boys, that's what they do. Yeah. And to try to come up with uh, specific reasons is, is great and is fun. And I'll address what I think is one of the main reasons. But the fact of the matter is this is the way they are. This is the way they process information. This is the way they explore the world. This is the way they learn new concepts and on and on. And we have to accept that that's the way it is. Mm. As far as why beyond the fact that this is the real world, is um, that we know that the brain structure of boys and girls is different and uh, develops differently beginning at conception. Mm -hmm. And uh, the difference is that males have more testosterone, more other hormones, and girls have more estrogen and more other hormones, and that controls uh, how the brain develops. And it appears that That affects uh, uh, girls being more verbal, girls being more able to control their emotions, girls being 
uh, more social and boys being more uh, physical, uh, less social, less uh, emotionally regulated, and in many cases, even oppositional. And, uh, you know, if you go back in history and the survival of the species, it is the men that were expected to go out there and hunt and kill and defend, and women were expected to stay home and look after kids. Now, a lot of that is, of course, cultural, but there appears to be some uh, hormonal reasons that produce just different uh, behaviors. And one of the things we know is from uh, zero on through uh, adolescence, boys are much more likely to be in accidents. Boys are more likely to die of accidents. Boys are more likely to engage in high-risk behaviors than girls. We know that. That's a fact. Um, which makes me uh, think about the parents and the teachers who are, uh, their mantra seems to be, be careful. And they're just, um, to me, it seems like maybe they're not so much responding in ways that are helpful to kids, but more inculcating uh, fear. Well, I, I do think the risk, risk management is an issue that we don't teach with teachers. Yeah, And we don't teach with parents. And right. part of uh, raising kids is to allow them to determine the level of risk that is acceptable and that they don't hurt themselves. Yeah. And we don't do that. And I always say to my students, I'd much rather a two-year-old or three-year-old three risk in the playground than a 16-year-old risk themselves in a the car. Mm-hmm. Although... There's no guarantee that if they risk in the playground that they won't risk in the car. <laughs> no, there are no guarantees of yeah. raising kids. But no, uh, no. if you allow kids or even encourage them to risk, they learn how far they can go. Exactly, exactly. And I, this conversation is so personal to me because I have two sons that actually one of them even asked me if, if I didn't love him because I wasn't saying be careful all the time. And he turned into an extreme skier and my other son became a... a a rock climber. But what I thought was they want to stay more alive, want to stay alive even more than I wanted them to. So uh, I kept my eyes on them, but I just said, are you paying attention? What's your next, that kind of thing instead? Right, what, what kind of suggestions do you have for, for, yeah. Well, the topic. suggestions are all the way through and it goes, it crosses over to, to discipline is not to tell children what to do or what they can't do, but to give them choices mm-hmm. and to have them make those choices and then have them be responsible for the results of those choices. The only way you're going to learn to be responsible is to be accountable for your behavior. Yeah. So we need to allow children, actually not allow, actually encourage children to make those decisions. Now, obviously, as a parent and as a teacher, and this is a huge issue, is make sure that every choice you give a child is acceptable. Right, right. So, so don't say to a child, uh, do you want to uh, run across the classroom if you don't want them to run across the classroom? Right, right. So you bring a world of experience to this conversation, to your book, to everything that you do. You've been a Head Start director, a Head Start education manager, an elementary school teacher, and uh, administrator of a national childcare company. And of course, you have four children of your own and four grandchildren. So your perspective uh, is fantastically wide. 
So what are some of the negative or damaging consequences that you've observed when educators or parents do not understand those inherent differences between young boys and young girls? Well, it's not so much that uh, educators don't understand the difference. The issue more is that our field, for a variety of reasons, beginning with the fact that 97% of uh, early childhood teachers are women, is skewed to mm. what girls are good at and what girls uh, like to do. Uh, and that's wonderful for girls, but it's not particularly good for boys. Mm. Yeah, as we said, boys need to move more than girls. Boys need uh, more opportunity to have hands-on learning. Boys need opportunities to construct, to build, all those kind of things. And yes, there's some female teachers who are wonderful at that, but there's some who are not very comfortable at that. Mm-hmm. And I did, uh, when I started this journey about looking at the differences, I observed my Head Start teachers who were all uh, women. And what I sc- discovered was they preferred activities that the girls liked and they ignored or punished activities that the boys liked. Oof. So they were on the tables with uh, tabletop uh, puzzles. They were in the dress-up area. They were in the art area, but there were no women in the block area. There were no women on the floor with the toys and the trucks. And when the boys were hitting the trucks against each other, replicating a wonderful disaster, which boys absolutely <laughs> love, they got punished. Right, right. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Um, so, so the answer is we need to change. We need a paradigm shift of what we do with young boys. Right. Everything from training for more men in the program for books that have more um, subject matter that boys like, like big trucks and big earth movers and disasters and messy stuff and yeah. smelly stuff and all stuff that boys seem to <laughs> enjoy. I, I, I read your entire book, Oh Boy, and just delighted in it. I, if you saw it, I should send you a picture of it. I have markers on just about every other page. You know, it's just just such a insightful and heartful book and so intelligent with many important references. And, um, but I want to focus on two things that I think will be especially relevant to social emotional learning. And that is boys delayed verbal skills and their poor emotional regulation. What kind of suggestions can you help the listeners to uh, help the boys in their world with just at this point? Well, there are many suggestions, and again, they go up, go to what uh, we're doing incorrectly with boys. And the bottom line is not to punish children who are delayed verbally. And we do. We have such a focus on literacy and fa- such a focus on reading that if a child isn't ready to read at five years old, we put them in recovery programs, we put them in special education, we give it, and, and the child feels, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't right. I perform this way? Mm-hmm. We need to uh, not only encourage, but celebrate what boys do. We need to celebrate constructive play, creating forts outside on the playground, put getting some water into the sand so, so they can make mud and make things out of mud. Those things need to be celebrated and they should not be, number one, punished, but even worse, used just to reward other kinds of behavior. There are so many programs. This is called the pre-mark effect. And if a child is reading at the level that you want them to read, then they can go out and play. But if they're not, they have to stay in and do the worksheets on reading. 
Well, let me tell you, that's the child who needs to be going out to play. Right. So we have to have a huge shift on what we consider acceptable and appropriate at this age. And it has to include all sorts of arts, all sorts of movement, all sorts of hands-on, all sorts of oppositional discussion and debate about what you should and should not do and how the kids make decisions that make sense to them. All that kind of thing needs to be part of the curriculum. One thing that I was kind of surprised by, I'm not very happy to admit, was that how much you would bring in the arts because there's a part of me that just thinks of that as kind of a girly endeavor. So can you talk about that for a little while, how that's really helpful for boys? I will start with a famous, the most famous American educator of all times, John Dewey. Mm -hmm. John Dewey wrote an entire volume about art, a huge volume, 500 some pages. And he said art is important for every child. And the reason it's important is twofold. One is it allows children to express themselves in a way that is most meaningful to them, whether it's movement, if they are kinesthetic children, whether it's painting, which I was, if they're visual, or if they're musical, it matches the way they process information. The second is it's nonverbal, so it provides children who struggle verbally with an outlet that should be not only encouraged, but celebrated. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, your artistic uh, tendencies when you were very young, tell us a little bit about your story and when you started to read, now that you're a PhD and you've written how many books? Uh, what this, was... <laughs> this is number nine. Okay, so uh, what's your background as a child? And I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm in the area. It's called the border country between England and Wales. Mm-hmm. It was a mixed farm and spent most of uh, my time outside. And even during elementary school, where while I needed to be inside, I didn't like it. So I excelled in things outside. I excelled in carpentry. I excelled in a dance, I love to dance, and I excelled in um, uh, p- painting, art. Sure. But I struggled academically, and mm-hmm. I didn't really read in any <clears throat> way or f- in any um, competent way until I was in high school. Whoa. And then I took off, and then I really loved to read, and I got a hold of every classic I could and read them. But the other interesting thing is I've I've written nine books. I've published four or 500 articles, but I write them as I paint. I use that procedure. So I've been able to transfer the approach to painting, which has to do with blocking in colors and then going back and looking in details and all that kind of, that's Mm -hmm. how I write. Uh And so I'm going to assume that when you were growing up and you didn't read until you were in high school, you weren't, um, you weren't in any way felt made to feel like you were deficient or anything. This, I was so grateful, but both my family and my school recognized my artistic abilities and they celebrated them if they needed something special to be done for a brochure or for a illustration, they would ask me to do it. Yeah. Or if they um, <clears throat> wanted somebody to paint eggs or something for the Easter 
<laughs> uh, I would be the one who painted the eggs. And I felt very, very competent. And I knew I couldn't read. Uh, it was it bothered me a little bit, but not much because they didn't keep saying, why can't you read? And they didn't keep com comparing me to the kids who could read. Yeah. Which See, is the other problem. We compare kids yes. all the time. And we should not be comparing kids. Oh, because then we all carry that terrible habit into our adult lives and continue doing comparing ourselves no, not only that but if you're continually made to feel a failure let me tell you you begin to think you are a failure absolutely even if you can be successful in some areas you still have that little dark shadow inside yourself so well Eric, i just erickson uh, eric erickson the yes. wonderful psychologist he yes. said and i deeply believe him that you must encourage a child to be successful at something, even if it is not part of the academic curriculum. Right. So if you're three years old and you're good at going down the slide, by God, be good at going down the slide. Yes, yes. And don't take that away because you can't read. Oof. I want to ask you a question. Did you ever talk to your parents and were they about your development um, "Quote unquote delayed development with reading or other things. Did, did did they ever feel concern, or were they just really accepting? Were they secretly concerned, or did you ever have that conversation with them? Well, it's more complicating than that. They okay. Clearly, well, a quote from my father that I think tells you a lot. And this was after I published a couple of books, mm -hmm. and I'm one of six children. And he said, and I quote, "Of all my six children." you're the one that I would have never have guessed would become a writer, uh -huh. which says two things. It says, number one, <laughs> I didn't see you as being academically inclined, but number right. two, I thought you could be successful at something else, <laughs> which was actually was the art and then the woodwork. I became very proficient in woodwork. I loved woodwork. I made tables and turned bowls yeah. in the high school in England we had woodwork every Friday afternoon in high school and I made all these wonderful things and my parents thought I'd be a, a craftsman that's what they believed I'd end up being uh-huh and to them that was fine of course and oh that's wonderful so um let's talk about emotional regulation for boys and 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 not just the challenge of it but what kind of suggestions do you have for our listeners to help boys with that uh, first, first side of, of their all, lives? Right, right. Yeah. First of all, recognize that young boys are immature when it comes to emotional regulation. That's just a fact. Now, again, as you stated at the beginning, not all young boys are that way. And some young girls are that way. But as a group, young boys simply struggle with doing what they're told to do. And those of us who have worked with young boys know that. Yeah. So begin there. Secondly, limit to the extent you can rules and regulations. Provide activities that are open-ended. Provide activities that don't stop at certain time, uh, but uh, can continue on because uh, kids love to complete the activities and they don't understand these artificial schedules we provide mm. also provide help to uh, help for the boys to understand the consequences of their behaviors so if they don't want to clean up you know maybe set something up that leaves 
the toys out so that when they come back, they say, well, where are my toys? Uh-huh. And then help them understand that if you don't clean up, you're not going to know where things are. Yeah. But there's a lot of um, helping boys understand uh, that it's difficult to control your behavior. And then finally, and as I said before, don't compare kids. Don't say, well, Sarah's so good. You should be like Sarah. Right. So let's say a boy has a meltdown over somebody else took his, you know, once some problem, like somebody took his toy away or something. How would you handle that, Francis? I would handle it by addressing the specific issue, which is the social interaction. It's not the young boy. He hasn't developed those social skills. So you need to go back to what we call... um, go back to individual play, let him play by himself and say, uh, you don't get to play with Johnny until you're able to play with Johnny and help him understand that that's a specific skill he needs to learn. But that individual play is wonderful. Kids learn so much just by individual play. You know, the old two-year-old in the um, kitchen banging away on the pots and pans. That's wonderful. But you introduce another two-year-old and all hell breaks loose. Right, right. Because they're not ready. No, and they're certainly not ready for forced sharing. Do you have exactly. any thoughts? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's part of that's part of the issue. The, the issue is back to emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not ready. Their brain is not fully developed and ready to control their emotions. But secondly, um, they simply aren't, from an egocentric point of view, ready to understand. I always tell, tell my, my students, and when you look at egocentrism of what we call pre-operational children, which is about age seven or eight years old and older for many boys, uh, how often have you heard a, boy, a kid say, it's not fair, my co- his cookie is bigger than mine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell them, and they, I guarantee, and I'll give you all sorts of money, if you can come up with an incident where a child said, it's not fair, my cookie's bigger than his. Right. You'll never hear that. Never. Never. Because they see the view, the world according to themselves, which quite frankly is very appropriate because they have survived by taking care of number one. Sure. And suddenly you say, oh, no, you can't take care of number one now. Now you have to take care of the other kid. It makes no sense. Right. Right. I really like that analogy. That's excellent. And also... And of course, that's why child care providers need to go to schools to really, really own these developmental stages that they're distinct. And exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, good. Did you want to say anything on that? Yes, two things. One is that, and I have to be careful about saying this because it's not published, but mm-hmm. the, uh, NAYC is coming out with a new DAP document, mm-hmm. which basically tries to erase all these stages, which Ooh. I think is totally inappropriate. Ooh. Yeah. And DAP, for anyone who... Deve- sorry, developmentally yes. appropriate practice. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. The right. second thing, and this is kind of contradictory to what we're doing, because we're doing this through technology, but I'm really concerned that more and more students are getting all of their early childhood instruction online. Yeah. And I'm not sure that has the emotional and the human content and context needed to really help students understand what's going on. Oh, oh, I know. Well, that's a whole other topic. Right, so. right. 
Um, I want to go on, but I think we should uh, set a time. We do have a time next week that we're going to have more conversation uh, on some different topics. Yes. So I won't take any more of your time now, even though I really have more questions. But uh, I do try to keep these uh, episodes uh, short enough so people can just say, OK, I'm going to listen to that whole episode. And then <laughs> so we will talk again like in a week, I think. Right. Absolutely. And I'm very interested in feedback or questions uh, your listeners have. So that will be wonderful. Okay. Absolutely wonderful. Um, tell us the name of your book and, and where a person can get it. Okay. The book is called Oh Boy, and it is available through uh, exchangepress.com. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much, Francis, for what you're doing, for what you care about. Um, we will talk soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So, what did you think of that? If you're at all like me, it just made you want to learn so much more about the differences between boys and girls. Differences that we as parents and educators do well to understand and work with rather than against. And please do remember Francis's invitation. His interest in your questions, concerns, and challenges is 100% sincere. Wouldn't you love him to focus his vast experience and insights on the challenges with which you're dealing? Of course you would. So please don't be shy. Head over to the Facebook page for this podcast, like it, and then post your question. Or you can just send an email to me at ask at kidsownwisdom.com. Meantime, check out Francis's book, Oh Boy, Strategies for Teaching Boys in Early Childhood. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your ongoing growth as a person who is committed to the healthy social-emotional learning and development of today's 